Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I talk with Ross Ackerman from GP Analytics. GP Analytics has one of the coolest taglines I've ever seen on their website. It goes like this, smarter analytics for more profitable results. I love it. And you're going to love what you hear from Ross Ackerman. He shares his insights on forecasting summer production and beer sales. We talk about on-premise and its return and challenges with cooperage. We get into raw material shortages, and we talk a bit about inflation. And Ross really shares his insights and what he's learning to help craft breweries create a more accurate forecast so they can create a more profitable business. So for now, please enjoy my conversation with Ross Ackerman from GP Analytics. Hey, Ross, welcome to the podcast. Great to be back. So let's jump in on uh, your company, GP Analytics. Maybe give the listeners some background on what you guys are up to, what you're what you're working on, the type of clients that you have. And I'd love to hear some background on you, you personally as well. Yeah, great. Started GP Analytics, you know, roughly 10 years ago. More of us kind of a you know, a passion project. And it really grew into, especially in the last couple of years, into a, a really fun and big business. And you know, I've obviously had to evolve with that. The primary purpose of the company is to streamline the communication and data flow between the, the distributor level and the supplier level. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you know, you hate to talk about 2020 as anything other than just a terrible year, but I think we were in the right position just because everybody was looking to see through, you know, the orders and the noise and have a good feeling about or a better view of forecast and how to make good decisions and react quickly to change. So, I mean, this year has been, past year was a great year for GP. Number of people using Craft Portal more than doubled, and we're going to probably double again here in the first six months of this year. So, it's been a it's been a wild ride and a really fun ride this year past year for I me. Mean, I mean, obviously personally and being stuck in my house was not fun, but <laughs> I don't think right. it was fun for anybody. <laughs> but from a business no. perspective, it was a good year. That's great. So you mentioned the craft portal. Maybe for folks that aren't familiar, give us some background on what what the craft portal is. Yeah. So it is a so what we're doing is we're consuming VIP SRS data, which I think your listeners probably for the most part, know what that is, but it's the data aggregation service provided by VIP and we've partnered with them. So we consume that data and that we bring that data to life in the form of the craft portal. So what we're doing is we're taking the distributor's inventory and we're also building forecasting on top of that. We have what we call basic forecast, which, you know, runs some analytical algorithms. And then we have that ramps up to advanced forecasting, which brings in trend factors uh, exponential smoothing, and some other really fun pieces. But what we do is that data then comes together in the craft portal. So it's the idea of creating a common language between us and our distributors where we're communicating not just on orders, but also on the, the true language of our business, which is forecast. 
And you know, I think I mentioned in our last conversation, you know, it's one percent of their business, a hundred percent of yours. So it's really as a, as a supplier, it makes sense for you to bring the conversation to your distributor. And what I mean by that is saying, here's your data, and here is a forecast that we put together that on a backwards test, exponentially smoothing, gets you pretty darn close, right? Let's say 85 to 95% of the way there. Now, mm-hmm. no analytical forecast is ever going to be perfect, but at least we're coming to the table with you know 85, 90% of the way there so that we can then manage the fringe cases. And it's great for the distributor because now we're talking the same, we're getting orders further in advance, we're doing it, test it, we can see out of stocks before they happen, we can see over stocks before they become you know quality issues or before they hurt your distributor. You don't want your distributor to have to dump gear and say, well, this supplier is terrible because I'm always dumping their product. You don't want that either. Yeah, so that's a really long-winded way. But as you as a supplier, you know, having visibility not just on orders but forecasting you know, leads to better production decisions, which I think we'll get into the idea of you know, making sure we're making the right decisions about what to produce, what to purchase as far as raw materials, and making the right you know, financial plans as far as growth is concerned is, 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 is exceptionally valuable to you as a supplier. Mm, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So just to double back um, and maybe dig in on a couple of the details there. So is the craft portal primarily a tool that would be used by the brewery, by the supplier, but in collaboration with uh, wholesale partners? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the bulk of it lives on the supplier side, but it is in a purest form a B2B solution between the distributors and the supplier. And I like to say that the distributors are just as much our customer as the suppliers. Now, granted, it's a supplier product that we sell to suppliers, but you know we have 3,500, 4,000 distributors that use this every single week, and you know it's it's in our best interest to make sure they're happy and love the experience too. You know, we want to be the preferred way that distributors order. You know, and to that end, you know, we have to provide value to them as well. Um, so that's a huge focus of, for our business as well, even though. You we're a product that sells to the supplier level. We the distributors are a huge piece of our business in terms of relationship. Mm, that's a that sounds like a great tool. Now, in layman's terms, you mentioned exponential smoothing, and <laughs> that rolled off your tongue like you say it a lot. <laughs> Is there a um, do you have a, a, a simplistic way to uh, kind of define for folks what that means? Yeah. So. Um... Exponential smoothing is, is, is you know, to me is the, the best way to get to the most accurate forecast. And the, the way to think about that is it's, it's how quickly does the forecast model react to change? Okay. I'll give you two examples. So if we have a large established brewery with a very mature brand, all of a sudden sales spiked 20% over what we thought they were going to be from a forecasting perspective. Now, because that's a mature brand, we've got years of history the model is going to say, mm, that's noise. I don't want to overreact to that, right? So it's how it discounts the, the most recent history versus the further back history. So it's going to say, mm, that's just noise. Whereas if you have a new brand that maybe you only have three weeks of history and it deviates 100% away from the forecast, the model is going to say, I got to react strongly to that because it's very important, right? So it's about how much the present relates to the longer term history. And the way our forecasting works is we're running an optimization around what that smoothing factor is appropriate relative to that brand. And one size doesn't fit all, right? I think there's 0.2 ends up being probably the most, you know, the the average 
optimal number for an exponential smoothing factor. But that can vary widely if you've got a brand that's highly volatile, new, growing fast, shrinking quickly. And then on the other side is, you know, it's, it can be much lower for a brand that's mature and been around for years and it's like watching paint dry. And you don't want your forecast to overreact if something happens, right? You have one festival that came out of nowhere. You don't want to say, oh my gosh, we've got a new trend, right? Now, that being said, that is a living, breathing creature, that smoothing factor. And, you know, we get into a situation like COVID, well, you need the model to increase its rate of change to deal with it. And as we come out of COVID, there again, you need it to be quick. And it can be specific to brands and it can be specific to formats like draft, right? We need draft to respond quickly to the changes that are happening and maybe not as much on package. So again, having that as a variable that's dynamic is important. Gotcha. Thanks for that explanation. One of the things I noticed on your GP analytics website that I thought was cool. I love the tagline. It says smarter analytics for more profitable results and increase your profit, increase your volume, decrease your finished product loss. And it certainly sounds like the craft portal uh, could be a great tool for that. Do you have any other examples of what smarter analytics for more profitable results might look like? Any examples on that? Yeah. I mean, the, the great thing about um, in, in selling our product to suppliers is that we can very quickly validate um, the value proposition. Um, in fact, because we have access to, you know, SRS data with the supplier's permission, of course, we can tell you what your out-of-stock rate is by running it through our forecast algorithm before we even make the sale. And we find that almost all clients sit somewhere between 12% on the low end up to 18 to 25% on the high end in terms of out-of-stocks right now. Okay. And our average client runs about 4 you know, three and a half to four and a half, five percent on the average. Wow. And that's, you know, depending on your size can be up, you know, millions of dollars in sales that otherwise would have been lost. Our system allows you to do is cut through the data and make better decisions, right? So we're going to use analytics to make more profitable results. And in, in this case, it's be able to quickly identify where suppliers are going to have gaps before they have them. And the prevailing thought is, you know, our distributors know their market and they do. But again, you know, you've got a purchasing person that's on the other side that has responsibility for 30, 40 suppliers. They're not looking at it every day. And this allows you to have data analytics watching it every day so that you can close that gap. And you're, quite frankly, your distributor partner doesn't want to have holes in the shelf. And this is a tool to help them help you. I think the other side that becomes just as important is the overstock issue. And I find that a lot too, where suppliers are like, well, I'm capacity constrained. Okay. You know, you may have a composite DOI. And again, I'm throwing out terminology here. So days of inventory. So yeah. what is, you know, what would it take if I didn't ship any more to your distributor network until they all run out of everything? Mm -hmm. So on average, what's the DOI? And let's say you're running lean. Let's say you've got 25 days. Well, you may have one wholesaler that's at 50 and another that's at 10, mm -hmm. right? And on the surface, yeah, I mean, we want to make sure we have the right product in the right place so you're not seeing out of stocks. But the other side of it is, you know, if you have a consumer that tries your product for the first time and it's a 60-day, 70-day-old beer, they may never come back to your brand ever again. And what's the cost of that? Mm -hmm. I can't quantify that in dollars, but, you know, you may have had a lifetime consumer of your beer, especially as we get into these hazies, right? I mean, these hazies have an expiration date that's exceptionally fast. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's the cost of losing that consumer for the rest of their lives? I, you know, it's, 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 it's expensive and tangible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those are great stats. I mean, significant return on investment right there just with that out-of-stock information. I didn't realize it was that it could be that uh, big of a gap. So 12 to 25% is a typical out-of-stock that you guys see for non-client suppliers and 3 to 4% out-of-stock once they start using your tool. That's amazing. Let's shift here. I want to talk about some topics that you've brought up that that I think will be really interesting for listeners and, and some fun stuff to dig in on. So let's talk about forecasting the summer. You know, we're, we're recording here on May 24th. And, you know, this is, you know, in, in most parts of the country, the beginning of summer selling season, right? We're going to ramp it May to September or thereabouts. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, a lot of what's going to, what do you foresee coming in terms of demand? Is there going to be a boom, deceleration? the the impacts of the government injection. Talk to us a bit about that. What do you what do you see coming for forecasting in the summer? Yeah, this is a this is a fun one. Are, are you going to have this out before the holiday? Let's do it. Yeah, why not? Okay, I will. Um, I think from a forecasting perspective, I've never seen a single week more important than what we've got happening underneath us right now. Right, this is the loading week, and then there'll be the follow through next week. I have never seen two weeks that are ever more for, uh, important for forecasting. Mm-hmm. Coming into this, we have two signals that are flashing. One is that we're going to have a blow off top summer. And I see another one where we're seeing deceleration happening at the same time. And I, quite frankly, I don't think the market can make up its mind. And when I say market, I don't mean the stock market. I mean beer sales. <laughs> um, right. So I've seen these kind of you know sprints, pullbacks, sprints, pullbacks happening all spring. Um, relative to my forecasting, right? And I'm really curious to see what happens in the next two weeks. And going back to that piece we were talking about forecast sensitivity and exponential smoothing, again, we got to keep our you know reaction function high because if we have um, a holiday weekend that's bigger than we forecasted, that may mean we're having a blow off summer and you know it may be too late if, if you're a supplier. I hate to say that, you know, I think most of my clients, for the most part, are trying to come into summer with a good bit of inventory built up in case it is a blow off, right? Because you can always throttle back, but most people exceed their capacity during summer. So it may be too late. I hate to say that, but um, I think that's a potential outcome. The other one is we're starting to see slowdown as people's you know, wallets are not inflated by the stimulus money anymore. So again, I mean, we may see a buildup that's bigger than expected or less than, and then that's going to inform us of what's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough because, you know, we've got, and this will be an interesting thing to watch in terms of how predictive past data can be when we're heading into, you know, certainly not unprecedented, but I think in our lifetimes, it's pretty close to it. Like, how do you forward forecast with a combination of historical data and then kind of best estimates on what's, you know, going to be coming down the pike? Because you're right. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows for sure. How would you, um, I mean, certainly folks can use the, the, the forecasting tool that you guys have, but do you have any general guidance uh, relative to what might be coming so that folks can position themselves properly? Yeah. I mean, I think it's unfortunately the same exact thing we talked about a year ago, which is you've got to be looking at it weekly and you've got to be looking at deviation versus forecast. And, you know, Obviously, a model needs to stay reactive, but you also need to be checking it and saying, okay, is this deviation noise or is this something that we need to pay attention to? You know, as we came into the spring, the deviations relative to draft sales were just out of this world and it was real. 
And I think a lot of people got flat, caught flat-footed on the draft, where it basically came out of nowhere. And if you would have just gone based on what your wholesalers or distributor partners were saying, then you wouldn't have produced. I think even the distributors were caught off guard about how quickly the demand came back. So, you know, you could blame yourself and say, well, you know, I, I was asking my distributor partners what they thought, but you have to understand that they're people too. Right. And, you know, they're making the best guesses they can after a year of being burned on, you know, having to dump kegs and buy back inventory. So they weren't terribly excited about getting themselves caught in a bad position. So the, them being pensive meant that it was everybody was behind the curve when drafts started to take off again. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's good advice. You know, you're right. It doesn't, you know, we find that with financial planning too, is that when you're, you know, the fundamentals are almost always what you want to look to the principles. It's just how rapidly or frequently or consistently you're, you're doing that. So, so in this example, regular weekly check-ins, as you said, really monitoring any deviations from the forecast doing your best to separate the noise. I think that's a really important thing. It's like, all right, am I overreacting to something that's that's kind of immaterial? And then taking that that very active role. Cause I, I don't think you can say that enough that you know the whole your wholesaler partners are out there trying to do the, the best they can and to the extent that you can support them with this type of you know advanced force forecasting is just going to help really help everybody. So let's talk about you'd mentioned on premise. Let's talk about on premise. Obviously things are opening up. For those breweries, suppliers that have big draft business, that's a really big deal. And then obviously we've got, you know, the cooperage issue. You know, we've, we've more or less kind of gone through a very strange time relative to cooperage for last last year in terms of pickups and credits and who was responsible. What do you see coming on uh, relative to on-premise? Well, again, I think it goes back to what we see for the holiday. Um, I think people are wanting to get out and you know, party this summer. And that means on premise and get back to normal. So the question is, is there enough money in their wallets to make it happen? So I think that the need, the desire, the trend is there for a big blow off summer as far as drafts concerned. Now, whether the, the, the monetary stimulus was enough to keep people going through the summer and whether the economic return in the United States relative to vaccination is going to make it, you know, support that. Um, I think it's probably, you know, if, if you're asking me my opinion, I think we're more likely to have a very strong demand summer then have a fallback. But again, I got to take my own advice and I got to look at what the sales are doing, you know, cut through the noise of orders and what people are saying and how they feel, including me, and look at your sales to retail every single week relative to what you think is going to be happening and respond. Mm -hmm. Biases are all over the place. So including my own. So let the, let the data be your guide and pay attention to it. What do you see on, on the Cooperage side? I think, you know, again, last, last summer, when everything, you know, everything was shutting down and, and Cooperage needs to be picked up. I mean, I suppose if everything gets back to quote unquote normal, it won't be an issue. But what was your, what were you hearing about Cooperage last year in terms of how I think generally that whole thing went down? I mean, it was an implosion, right? I mean, distributors were picking up, uh, you know, the Cooperage or full kegs and took huge losses in terms of what their inventory was. Breweries ended up sitting on top of tons of empty Cooperage just sitting there idle capital assets. You know, you had the, you know, the MicroStars, or I, I probably shouldn't say the particular names, but the keg leasing companies, you know, all of a sudden ending up with large amounts of inventory and looking like they, you know, maybe they wouldn't make it, you know. Fast forward to the spring, the, the ramp up was insane. And 
the, I, I think that a lot of my smarter clients looking at the data and looking at the forward forecast went and bought some cooperage on the cheap from people that were still liquidating. Mm. I think we're might be over the hump on that. I think I think people have realized what's happening. I think there might be a very well a cooperage shortage this summer. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are scrambling to buy cooperage right now. Unfortunately, it's probably like everything else. It's either unattainable or too expensive now with everything in supply chain. Yeah, once you miss those window, windows, it gets tough. So speaking of supply chain, let's talk about raw material shortages, you know, cans, cardboard. What are you seeing there? I guess what's the data showing you? And then what's what's your opinion or take on, on, on what's coming next? Yeah, I mean, from a data perspective, you know, what we provide is what we think you're going to need based on a forecast, right? Mm-hmm. The better the forecast, the better you can order. I think that my quote last year was cardboard is about to be our industry's toilet paper. Now I think everything's our toilet paper, whether it be cans or, I mean, the supply chain situation is, we're not immune to it in the beer space. So I think tweaking your variables in terms of safety stock becomes important. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I get that from a financial perspective. A lot of these smaller breweries took a heck of a beating last year. And then to say, you know, now I got to bulk up on 3X my raw material inventory. I mean, that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's way better pill to swallow than you know, empty holes in the shelf. So I guess my suggestion, and this is, you know, I can provide you the best forecast in the world through our system, provide the best orders possible from the wholesalers. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't fix the the, the lead time. And I'm also seeing it's getting more expensive for people if they don't plan ahead far enough. So you're better off, you know, carrying 3x the inventory of raw materials than you otherwise would have than scrambling and paying three times as much for it when you need it. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It really all comes comes back to that forecast is what it's sounding like is, you know, a good forecast, you know, looking at it regularly, the forecast for your sales is obviously then going to inform what type of raw materials, packaging materials you need to have on hand, and then really investing in that safety stock, which is important. Let's talk about inflation. You know, obviously there's a lot of stimulus money out there. There's likely going to be an effect of some kind or another. Maybe there already is. As, as you've noted, things are getting more expensive. It's more obvious in certain sectors, such as, you know, say building materials. What do you see relative to these, these, these input costs? What's coming down the pike here? Well, I mean, I think that we're already seeing it, right? I mean, if you want to get cans right now and you want to get them quickly, you're going to pay. I think that, you know, agricultural products are getting more expensive too. We've seen that. Um, so the input costs for breweries are, is, is going up. And I think that's going to get worse this summer if we do see a blow off in terms of inflation. Again, I'm now talking from my, my opinion, and I'm, I'm curious to see this way, the way this plays through our industry, right? Do we have the ability to pass these extra costs through to the consumer? And, you know, I don't necessarily have the ability to answer that question. All I know is that, you know, we've got more people fighting for the same resources because we're not just competing against our industry, right? We're competing against all the industries in terms of cardboard, cans, grain, you know, or malt. I mean, so I think we're going to be subject to the same inflationary pressures that all the rest of the industries are. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see the way that plays through. Oh, for sure. Excellent. Well, Ross, I really appreciate your time. A lot of good information here. I would really recommend folks check out uh, your craft portal because all roads lead back to you know, really keeping a close eye on that part of your business. Forecasting is critical. And I would suspect it's not top of mind uh, for most suppliers, managers. It's it's certainly in the bucket of things that need to be worked on. But 
I'm not sure it gets the, the prioritization that it needs. So thank you for your insights. If folks want to learn more about you and GP Analytics, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I think our website's a great resource, www.gp-analytics.com. Otherwise, I mean, I think we've put out a good bit of marketing material to a lot of suppliers, and I think there's webinars that we're doing all the time. So please join us in one of those. Please respond to one of those webinar invites, and we, we'd love to we'd love to show you the product, and we'd even love to show you what your out of stock you know rate is right now, so that you know you can quantify what it is you're potentially leaving on the table. Mm. Yeah, that's a great great suggestion and a great starting point. Is really just kind of take a take a gauge as to where you are right now relative to those those key metrics. Awesome. Thank you, Ross. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.